0: Welcome to Brain Cage, where we discuss BDSM, hypnosis, and the mind for all those exploring their fetishes and interests. This is Puppet Master, your mentor for the podcast. And this is Drakoso, your hypnotic guide. So today we're talking about memory play. This is the idea of altering memories and possibly creating, removing, even making someone more or less aware of different things that are going on. And to start just for people who may not have worked with or heard of memory play before, this is the idea of creating new memories or having a person become either more aware of something that you may be doing with them, such as creating an increase in how they respond or removing certain things such as making someone unaware of a trigger or an effect i pretty much temporarily or. In some cases, when you know the person well and explored for a long time, you may be able to reach what is known as being permanently. But as such, the first thing I'd want to say, especially on this topic is to understand that when you work with memory play, you are working with how a person's mind creates, builds, forgets, and alters their memories in order to deal with how they live and how they handle situations. So it's understanding that it's better to work, especially at the starting with someone it's better to work with things that are temporary, and it's better to work with knowledge, memories, and situations where you two have already interacted. So for example, it would be better to start by doing memory play with having them forgetting things that you've already built together temporarily, and to have them become less aware during scenes that you are currently having rather than diving into, say, memories that people have had in the past. Especially since a lot of people's pasts may have certain memories that they depend on and certain things that would be better off worked with, say, a therapist if they're more important memories that may have traumatic or intense meaning to the person. So it's important to remember when you do memory play that this is mainly for playing in or out of scene for your relationship and your interactions and that altering the person should only be done really in reference to what you two do rather than what the person may have gone through in the past unless you have training and knowledge on how that can impact someone so the first place i would start with and it's one of the more common ones is removing memories of things you've done so for example if you put in a trigger such as i knew one that i used to do when i was younger and a bit more of a brat was I would put in a trigger that would make someone feel an intense amount of pleasure. And I would make it from a common word and make it so that it would only work when I would say it. But then I would make them forget before the scene was over that that trigger would bring them pleasure, that word that would bring them pleasure. So while we were talking naturally, I would just be discussing with them and have them begin to feel that pleasure at random moments. And since they didn't know what was causing it, it would cause them to feel like they had less control And become more aroused because of it.
1: And when I'm removing memories, it's important to consider how a person thinks. Ask them about things like the unimportant things that they've done during the day and see how they phrase that. A few Things that might come up that are useful are labelling things as unimportant to remember, not so much deleting a memory because that's not something that the mind can easily do, it's not set up to do that because that's not a useful thing for the mind to be able to do, So being able to label something and frame it such that it is not important to remember, and if it does come up in the mind, you can have it so that it is easily distracted from and discarded as an unimportant thought, because we have these all the time. And that can make it very easy to remove memories and such. And then when the subject gets used to that, then you can start moving on to making them completely unaware that things are even happening at all.
0: It's very true. Yeah, especially for the fact that when you try to go into this and you may just say you won't remember something, the mind may not understand what that means. Since we actively try to remember things, but we don't actively try to not remember things. At least it's more common for the, the prior rather than the latter. So I would say when it comes to memory play, building out reasons as to why a person doesn't remember, such as making it unimportant. As Puppet said, is a great way to have the mind feel like it doesn't need to monitor or keep track of what is happening. Giving it reasons or describing it as perhaps the memory just slides off. That their mind is not able to fully connect with it simply because of the fact that it's finding that while that memory may exist, it's not something that they consciously try to interact with. So giving them reason to not be able to remember it and have their mind follow a different path instead. Finding other things more important can cause a workaround where the mind may not try to remember or it may simply find that it's unable to remember since it's not given that connection the same weight as others. For just as much as removing memories or having someone unaware of memories, especially since during a state if you make them unaware during a scene, it can be a lot of fun. I mean, in a lot of ways, if you make a trigger that they slowly and generally change into something else. So let's say, for example, I've had someone that I've worked with in the past where I would have a trigger that as they became comfortable and as we would be more playful, I'd use it at the starting of the session. And then as we got further into it, they would slowly change into a, I guess you could say it'd be more of a dog person for pet play, for snuggling, for petting, for caring, and this trigger was made so that I would use it very casually, and then they would, over time, become this being without even being aware of it. And by the time they might have even realized what they'd become, they were so deep in the mindset that it just felt natural, and that made it so it was both very kinky and fun for both of us. But at the same person, sorry. But at the same time, it made it so that it could be more natural and enjoyable, so that there memory could slide into this idea and enjoy it as if this is what it always been. So rather than being perhaps more of a choppy transition of one step to another, it's more just a casual growth where they get into the mindset like we do perhaps when we're heading to work or perhaps when we're dealing with family, just the steps that we'd usually take, but more of a casual as the events play out.
1: And I find it can also add to resistance play when something's happening that they are trying to stop and it doesn't need to be C and C for that to be the case. Cause it can, with hypnosis, it can also be like self-change, right? Mm-hmm. And you can also do that by telling the subject, I'm going to use a trigger and I want you to try to resist it. Now, depending on the context, if you want them to resist it, they're more likely to be able to, and if the context is that they should fail, they're more likely to fail because that's part of priming. But with memory play, you can add another level of that where. Things can be happening that they're not fully aware of, which then affect the way that they're trying to resist and maybe even have a gradual
0: process of corruption or something like that. It can be a lot of fun. True. One memory that comes to my mind was back when I was in college. I had trans someone to be unaware that I was actually in the room, that I was invisible. They loved to be played with in a sense where they felt like their body was more sensitive and having reactions that were out of their control. And so in order to do so, I would have them unaware that I was in the room. They would be relaxing in a certain position and I would begin to play with them, touches, strokes, little things like that. And they would respond far more intensely because they were unaware of where the touches in these pieces would be going and what they would be doing. And it was interesting because of the fact that I made them unaware of me as being there, even my presence. And because of that, it made them far more sensitive and responsive as well as reactive. And it was just a lot deeper, more intimate of a meaning, since in some cases it can play on what the person's mind feels comfortable with and is interested in, just based on how their logic and reasoning works. And altering things during the scene especially with the idea of adding ideas such as if you're going to have a person feel like there has been more time that has passed during a session or perhaps one example i've worked with in the past is i've had someone who wanted to feel like there was a trigger that was given to them and that it had been far longer and to see can there be retroactive programming can someone be given conditioning that was before they had actually started being conditioned And with this person, I talked with them about what had happened in the last two weeks of their life, things that had gone on, and I outlined that for the last two weeks. They had roughly received about a half an hour to an hour of training. During the scene that we had, I gave them about a half an hour of training so they could feel what it was like. And then I had their mind believe that they had experienced it every day for the last two weeks of up to an hour of training each day. And their response to the trigger was, well... It was a trigger that was meant to turn them into a doll-like state. And when I first used it after the 30 minutes, they became more relaxed, more focused, and more comfortable. And it seemed like they were becoming slightly unfocused. But at the same time, after the two-week mental training of it, and I used it, they became a bit more stiff, focused. They became more automatic, almost like a doll would actually be and less to think about, and the brain itself created this connection. And so adding in pieces and creating outwards from what their mind might understand or what they might have already formulated in their mind based upon their memories can also be a very fun way to play with someone's memory, as long as it's within what you understand. Because with this situation, like I said, maybe ended up talking and I ended up learning a lot about what happened during those weeks, so it taught me a lot about how this situation might even play out and whether or not it would work. So keep in mind that when you do explore memory play you want to understand a lot about what's going on from that person's exploration and their memories and from people who are being hypnotized it's good just to keep in mind how your memories may work and how you want to build it out especially since if you are being hypnotized to have things forgotten and let's say for some people they may have difficulty remembering or forgetting things and that may just be how receptive a person is but If you have difficulty forgetting things, it's good for you to personally understand what factors may help you to feel more comfortable or relaxed or how your mind imagines holding on to memories. And for people who have more difficulty remembering or have worked with people on both of these ends, for people who have more difficulty remembering, it's good to understand whether or not your ability to remember is dependent upon what you think you can do. So in other words, if you feel like you can't remember things, one example I've given in past podcasts is to have a string that I have created that attaches to a person's pinky and leads all the way back up to the surface or leads back to where you started and collects pieces of the memories as you go. So sometimes you may need a point where the mind feels like there's a helper that connects and builds out. Sometimes the mind itself may just need some reinforcement to remember more, but adding memories and having someone remember a scene and possibly even altering it for the fun of the person being hypnotized. Such as, I remember one session where I was hypnotizing someone and they wanted to feel more comfortable with exposing themselves, and I had them believe that they had done the entire session naked. And because of that, at the end of it, they came back with their clothing on, and I made sure that there was a connection at the starting where they took off and they they put on their clothing. But in the end, they had never actually taken their clothes off and made them remember that as well. And I think that's one quick note I want to toss in is, it's always good if you're going to make someone forget or remember memories, additional memories, is to have a way to remind them of what is actually true. This can be for if there's a negative response or simply for if you want to do some back and forth play so that their mind understands why or how they remember extra memories or forget memories. It's always good to have a trigger that you can use such as, I think my classic one is just to say, it is time to remember And it has them forget any type of added memories or be aware that they were not real memories and remember any forgotten memories so that they can come back and understand their own line of reasoning based upon how their mind might have worked out the details.
1: So one of the things that can be very useful is to make memories that make less actual sense. Now if there are supernatural things within the memory and even on tentacles and slimes depending on the person's kinks, it's much easier for an individual to then rationalize that those memories are not real and can separate themselves from the emotions of the scene. Whereas doing a scene where you've created some very real situations, one needs to be a lot more careful in what they're doing. And there's a greater chance that more after care will be needed in such things
0: that is very true and being sure that as we build out ideas and add these pieces to understand how we're connecting them really the fact of if we want to anchor that may be a term that's new to some people with the idea of connecting a trigger connecting an idea to something that's already built in so you're anchoring that situation You'd want to be able to anchor a person's triggers, responses, and understanding to a past experience. So when I say past experience, it could be something, say, and I know we've discussed this a bit in priming, where you would talk with them while they were outside of a session to perhaps remember a positive time or a relaxed time so that you can use that during a session to increase how comfortable or relaxed they may be. You can also anger, anchor You can also anchor certain memories and ideas to the triggers that you'd use. So, for example, in case that person has had a very enjoyable or pleasurable experience in the past, you can discuss with them and understand a bit about how that may have worked or been. You can have them feel that or relive that experience of positivity, as long as it's a very good outline for a trigger that you may have with pleasure. And so you can actually use past memories or past ideas to increase pleasure, to increase receptivity, to increase sensitivity, to pretty much connect it to an idea or a trigger that you may want to use so that you can explore and enjoy bring about things their mind has already built out and to add a greater influence or effect with it. And so this can be a very positive thing to do, especially if perhaps in the past they've already explored certain things such as doll play or puppet play And they may want that sense of mindless experience to come back so they can be unaware or to enjoy their session and to play along with what is going on to increase the ability to connect with it. Or you can even use memory play just to bring about a deeper sense of comfort to allow the mind to not need to remember. Having them see perhaps if someone, I think one example I used once was someone I explored with had gone to a concert And they had loved the whole experience. They could barely remember the majority of things that happened other than the songs that were being played, though. That's usually a concert, unless there's a lot of interaction with people you went there with. And so for her, we used the enjoyment of the scene to be so wonderful that the specific things she was being told to do, she would remember. But she would not remember things like changing her clothes. She wouldn't remember doing specific well, specific activities such as dancing or moving around or the specific things that she said, but that she would remember the overall pleasure and enjoyment of the scene. And so when brought back later, some of the conditioning we did actually kicked back in much stronger than she'd expected because she had subconsciously accepted it without consciously remembering more than just the pleasure that came from it.
1: So to that mindlessness thing... Um... I had an interesting thing occur where I used the wrong trigger. It doesn't happen a lot. And in most cases, it's caught quickly and then just say release and then they're back to normal. What I did is we were watching an episode of an anime and I was meant to put them into like an obedient Mindset, mm-hmm. but accidentally, because I was distracted by something, I used the mindlessness trigger instead. And so we watched the episode, and then at the end of it, I realized what I did. And so I brought them out of it. And the next day, we re watched that episode. And for them, it was interesting because they had. Definitely seen it all before, but they couldn't remember it. There was this subconscious memory that still existed Mm -hmm. that they had taken in the episode, but consciously they hadn't registered anything that happened at all. And it's the conscious part of your mind that is more your self that you consider yourself. And 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 it was really interesting because as they were watching it, they were making that connection. So part of them had seen it before, but the other part hadn't. And, yeah, it was, it was so, so so interesting to talk to them about it afterwards. Um, it was a happy accident.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, two things it makes me think of. The first one is just sort of for... I guess just a good mental image of it is to imagine sort of a scanner where you have things come in and when you're consciously aware it's like having a guard there watching them come through and when they come through again the guard goes oh yeah I've seen this before and it connects. Uh, a simple way to sort of look at it as when you're unaware like we're talking about where it's the subconscious and the conscious is imagining if the guard is not there but the scanner is still running. So if say the guard's not there someone comes through or experience comes through the scanner gets it it goes through. And then later on, when they're awake and they're experiencing it again, the system still says, oh, this has happened, but the guard is sitting there going, I don't remember this happening, but I guess it happened. And so, the, it's like the first experience for the mind, which would be the guard, and it's pretty much a recurring event for the subconscious. So, even though they may have experienced it in one form and their body is saying, oh, you know, we, this is, it's like it's been there, but I don't remember it. It's sort of that piece of the missing presence and the second thing it makes me think of is i actually have a fun thing because the sub that i explore with right now she and i do a lot of memory play because she doesn't remember much during sessions when we play and explore we build out triggers we build out ideas and because i like to explore and do so many different ideas and triggers with her over time We've actually had points where I will pretend to use a trigger, just a general word or an idea and use it on her and snap my fingers and she'll respond to it. But it wouldn't be something that I've programmed in. So her mind has now become flexible enough for me where I can create safely a trigger that I can use with her that didn't exist the moment before because her mind picks up on enough meaning and reason from what we have built in the past that I can use triggers out of the ordinary. And she's even admitted multiple times, I don't remember that trigger being there. I will just go, there wasn't a trigger there, but there is now. And so...
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's not hypnosis. That's conditioning. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can do that with training and stuff, like clicker training and all of that. It can be very interesting when you have developed that relationship as a hypnotist of power and controlling them on that level that you can have that without needing to use hypnosis at all. To the extent that when I was making the files that I was, the the first files for uh, transformation. Um, these are the first ones I've uploaded for the podcast. Done by myself. I wasn't completely confident in my own abilities to trance anymore because Aww. I. It was fine. I had some people test it out, and it was fine. But because I I tend to work a lot lot more with people i've been working with for a long time i can just tell them to drop and they will and they'll go into trance and stuff so uh yeah i mean it's sexier to do an induction a lot of the time because it's part of the kink i think if anyone's listened to them they they'll find that they're they're fine <laughs>
0: yeah I mean, hey, time will pass. It affects our memories and our ability to connect with them. And sometimes that can affect our confidence as well. And so, especially when it comes to memory play, and I think you made a great point, Puppet, is that memory play, while we talk very heavily about it in the sense of hypnosis, it can also be done outside of hypnosis. And to make a very clear understanding as well, memory play is not the same thing as gaslighting, because I've known a lot of people who deal with that issue, and Gaslighting more focuses on the idea of trying to make an argument and make someone else doubt their own memories or their own ideas or what has happened while trying to get a point of control over that person without them consenting. Memory play is more of a, well, you're exploring with the person, you're trying to alter memories and create effects that that person has both consented to and has hopefully shown interest and desire towards. So that you can add more effects in a way that they would enjoy. And so memory play, especially when you're trying to explore with this, it's good to keep in mind different factors that'll play out as you are exploring. For one thing, we've mentioned a few different ways, but it's good to understand how receptive a person is. So if they're, if they have difficulty remembering a session, trying to add new memories may be difficult and they may not connect with it consciously and they may connect with it subconsciously and there's ways to check for that such as if you put in a trigger and then you try to use it later on and they don't consciously remember but they respond to it then it may be that they are receptive but not remembering it. As for people who want to forget they may have a reason why their mind holds on to memories it doesn't want to forget things and so talking with them and understanding what it means for them to be unaware or to forget something it's important to really get to know the person and why memory may be a big importance to them to always have consistent and to help them build that out. Or for some people who may have difficulty holding on, they may just find that their mind has not, as Puppet said before, has not really seen things as important, has made them unimportant, so their mind has more difficulty trying to stay connected. And so understanding how flexible their mind might be to forgetting or remembering something And using that, because as you learn how their mind works, it can become like clay, where at first it's very hard, it's very difficult to bend and work with. But over time, you learn how it flexes, you learn what it does, and eventually you can create memories that interweave and are very enjoyable and very positive for enhancing scenes and sessions.
1: Mushy, mushy, subby minds.
0: (laughs) Yep. And it's good as well, I'd say, from the perspective of someone being hypnotized, it's good to sit down and try and think a bit more about why you might be experiencing or or how you might experience different memories and to communicate with the person who is hypnotizing you and to make sure that they are aware that your memories may work in a certain pattern. If you feel that your memories are more concrete and more difficult to change, especially since if you put a lot of importance into your memories and making sure that things align, communicating that and letting them know, because sometimes we have a different understanding of how our memories connect to one another and how we think back on them. And the difference in that can cause conflict where it's more difficult to really become immersed in the experience. If you feel like, I guess you could say it as if you've spent your whole life building brick walls and someone else steps in to build one and does it in a completely different fashion, it's going to feel very thrown off until it's done.
1: And a lot of people get a very wrong feeling when something's done in the way that they're not used to. Which is uh, an important thing to note in oneself, that it's A, a natural feeling, but B, also uh, just a problematic piece of psychology that we should all be trying to deal with ourselves. I think I want to talk about something that we've discussed in previous podcasts, how often vagueness can be key in making suggestions that a person can take in well. But when it comes to memory play, You also want to consider what parts you want to be vague and what parts need more complexity because it's a significant part of the suggestion that something happened. And so talking with the subject beforehand about that kind of thing to understand how they would experience such a thing and to put in their own words into the suggestion and the memory for the more complex and important parts of the memory, uh, is a very useful thing to do. True. Yeah. It's not just about being vague when it comes to certain things. Being vague overall is so useful, so useful. But there were, there, with most things, there were exceptions, and this is one of them.
0: That is very true, especially since some people's memories need more detail. I know for one thing is that memory, and this has been, there have been studies that looked at this, the fact that memory in many ways is not very reliant on getting truth in the sense of comparison. For an example, they did a study where individuals went in and... Pretty much sat in a specific setting or specific location, and they had individuals walk in and walk past them. And when they were asked later on what was the color of the person's hat when they walked by, people would give all different colors, all different answers. And in some situations, and actually in some that were very specific, the person didn't wear a hat at all. And the individual still reported specific colors. And it shows that I think it was maybe. 10 to 15% of the time people identified there was no hat whereas the remainder of the time people would try to give colors they try to add details so the mind itself can be very fluid it can be very responsive to different cues that it's given and the memory itself that we hold while true to us may not perfectly reflect what has actually happened
1: this is a tool that you can use with memory play is The outside of hypnosis, you can use leading questions to get them to understand your intent and to understand and fill in the gaps in a way that fits with the narrative that you're trying to create. Like when they're asked what color was the person's hat and they weren't wearing a hat, well in their mind they're going Okay, so they must be wearing a hat, it's probably this color, so that's the answer that I'm going to give. And then they connect that as a truth in their head, and they connect it to that memory, and then that memory becomes real enough for them that they will be convinced that that's the way that they remembered it. And you can use this in the same way in your scenes. True say, uh, in the latex made file that will be out by the time this is out, I have the latex move up the leg, right? Now, if this is the scene that I was doing with the person, I could then say, in what way does it feel wonderful? Wonderful and then it feels wonderful and they're thinking about the way it feels wonderful and that's that's a very obvious example of like a leading question i think it could be very useful to use uh, right. in scenes and out of scenes
0: i think as people probably already understand with this the leading question especially is when you're asking something where a piece of information's already assumed like that they were wearing a hat or that the person is already experiencing it as wonderful and by doing so you're creating sort of a presumed experience and in order to answer the question as many of us are social beings and feel sort of a drive to answer things that we are asked especially people who are submissive feel more of a desire to respond and again that's also not clinically shown in any way that's just sort of my own viewpoint of what i've experienced it can lead to the person's mind shaping these ideas sort of filling in gaps that they may believe are already there and may put in these ideas so you can build out more fully by having the mind presume what you've said so i think a great example of that would be as i've put earlier when i'd use triggers through conditioning things that i hadn't put in already but that may line up with something for example with my sub I've used triggers where I have the word shock, which is supposed to, for any of you who think it's electricity, it's more of a causing of what the pleasure of an aftershock may feel like, but at any time. And the fun thing is that when I first used this idea, I was talking about how she would feel the pleasure afterwards, and then I would just say the word shock, and she would instantly respond to it as if it had been a trigger. But the funny thing is that I had never actually put in that trigger beforehand, so her mind was led up believing, oh, we're talking about this idea, and then it now is connected to a trigger without having to be programmed as, when I say this, this happens, it's simply the mind makes that assumptive connection. And this is good to keep in mind, especially when talking about simplicity versus complexity, as we mentioned earlier, is that sometimes simple connections can make things far more powerful versus trying to make it more complex, but some people's minds prefer to have the details. Especially if their memories build out in very complex ways, how they remember things, what the pieces are, what events matter during certain events, and why, such as emotional complexity. It's good to understand how their mind connects, whether or not they are looking for more or less detail, And whether or not they need emotional connection to it, whether or not they need an in-depth reasoning behind it, if they're very analytical, such as I am, and it really comes into play when you want to play with them in and even out of scene, especially since if you're trying to build out hypnosis and memory play to work with someone, changing things in a scene means that it's very controlled, it's very set in a specific setting and outline and it has specific responses that are mainly based upon you, the person who is being trans or the person transing you, and any other factors that may be in that scene that are related. When you do memory play outside of the scene, it's good to keep in mind a lot of different factors such as who all will be interacting with them in this scene, so for one example, I knew someone who had a fantasy about being an only child because they wanted to believe that they wouldn't be bothered by siblings when they would be enjoying themselves in private. It was sort of a fantasy of theirs because they never really got much privacy at a younger age. And so making sure to do that in scene is a wonderful thing. If it spread to out of scene, I think there might've been a few issues when their siblings walked in and they didn't remember who the hell they were. So I would say it's good to also be aware of how, changing, adding, removing memories, especially what impact it can cause. And to keep in mind that playing with it in scene is a wonderful thing. Using it out of scene needs to be much more careful and much more outlined in the sense of how it may impact the rest of their life. While in scene you want to make sure that if you're exploring, as I mentioned before, you want to start by focusing on areas that you've already shared or discussed. And then you also want to focus on beginning with it being temporary So in case there are any issues or points that come from it or you want to build it out before making it permanent and even then permanency is not I guess in many ways I could say permanency is not truly permanent because of the fact that everything in this universe is not truly permanent. But the idea that over time a mind will change it will add details it will remove details as we've said it's not a fully reliable system in itself but that it can play out very heavily and change in ways that you may not be ready for. And so understanding what is or is not permanent, especially since you want to allow the person to also be able to remove it or have it be removed if it is causing a negative effect. So keeping it more flexible and even if permanency is the ultimate goal and you can outline it as being permanent for some people, it's always good to be able to have a way to undo it or reverse it so in case you need to that person can still be safe and have the option and i think i'd like to talk
1: about some of the studies that have been done on memory and hypnosis um and just quickly go over some conclusions that have been made sounds good one of them being you can't remember something that you've forgotten hmm that's not something that can happen you can completely forget something uh, if the memory is not used enough or is deemed as unimportant enough you're not going to remember it you're aware of each step that you take but tell me can you count how many steps you've taken to where you are now Uh, you can't it's not because you weren't aware of the steps at the time, it's just that they're so unimportant. Right. Now, another study that's interesting is they made people forget things and facts and stuff. And they found that that the conclusion the conclusion that they came to with it was that particularly with recent suggestions to forget. The person, when told to remember, would always be able to remember. It's just a disconnect from the conscious and subconscious that gets connected when it's told to. Now that didn't study what happens if told to forget and left for a long time, because, you know we forget over time anyway that's just the thing that happens
0: right and to be sort of a big brainy guy for a second it's interesting because a lot of our memories come back to and people are may have already heard of these are neurons in our brain we have billions of neurons and we have a limited number even though it's a finite number even though it is a large number our brain requires them to be lined up and interacting. Sort of the idea of we have electricity that runs through our brain, very, very small amounts that interconnect them that cause us to have responses, activity, and mentality. And there have been studies that have shown, especially when it comes down to memory, a big part of our memory over time is when we go to sleep, our mind will actually reinforce and re-experience our memories. It's the idea of relearning, but when we're asleep, we re-experience everything we had and went through that day. There have been cases where people have been found while sleeping and that they sleep talk and they'll actually relive what has happened during their day. I've actually had, back when I was in college, I had roommates that have complained to me because of the fact that I'd get into arguments with people and they'd have to listen to it a second time if they had heard it in the room that we lived in, that they'd have to listen to it a second time while I was asleep because I would relive it and sleep talk both sides of the argument, which is probably great for my roommate to listen to all night. Payback. (laughs) <laughs> no I'd be having arguments with other friends not with my roommate they would, <laughs> they would hear me having the same argument with someone else twice and they'd hate it but it shows that when we go through sleep we actually reinforce our memories repeatedly and like Puppet was mentioning if you make someone forget the brain creates connections you can sort of imagine this as sort of a web that this electricity in your brain travels down and activates different points known as the activation web and In this idea, you have different points that are connected a certain amount. So if you tell someone to forget something, their mind may simply be less likely to use that connection that goes to the memory. But if you ask them, it reestablishes it by sending the electricity down the pathway to try and remember. They have a similar idea, which is known as sort of the tip of the tongue effect, which is when the connections are just weak enough, but there's nothing that goes directly to it that your brain is trying to think of. And probably a lot of people have had this tip-of-the-tongue theory, which I believe is cross-cultural, where you're trying to remember something and you just can't seem to get it, but you're one step away, and it's because the connections around it may not be directly to anything you're thinking about at the moment. A good way to experience this
1: is if you have a lot of caffeine. uh, It's been shown to very much increase that tip-of-the-tongue syndrome. Right. And... um. Another quick point I want to say is different cultures have different ways of compensating for it. Mm-hmm. Like in Italy, for example, they'll fill in the gap with... Uh, one that's happened in England, I think it crossed over from America, is saying like, like, like to fill in the gap. Um, it's interesting because it's, it's almost... Like, people are culturally trying to hide it. Like, it's a weakness.
0: Right. We'll, and, we'll do it. Yeah. And part of that also comes back to, and I've learned this, since there's a couple of lovely groups out there that help with uh, giving speech and feedback, is people try to fill gaps in in their conversation. If there is supposed to be a pause or they're trying to remember something and their mind doesn't fully connect with an idea, like Puppet says, they'll use, uh, um, like, mm, you know, and, and they put in these little gaps to try and fill in the spaces. And I actually have had to be taught to, in a way, counteract that by realizing it's fine to have gaps. I mean, throughout our conversation today, we've had multiple gaps and it lets the person think, lets them process the information. But that's on speech. I think taking it a step back for memory as well, that while you explore with memory play and you're trying to give ideas or change ideas, it's good to understand that the mind itself has these weaknesses, flaws, gaps, pieces that may alter and change, and that the mind is active. When the person is not asleep, the mind is trying to pull in more details, it's trying to create things. So even while in as the hypnotist in your mind even while you're trying to shape an idea such as if you were trying to create a trigger where when you say a word the person will feel a wave of warmth and pleasure that flows through the body and you describe this and in your mind you're imagining this wave flowing down the body and possibly going across their body the person who is being hypnotized may be experiencing this as A wave that is a physical wave on top of the skin that's flowing down and it's leaving behind a trail that may make them continue to feel warm later on. And that little difference, that extra detail, may be very important because it may give the person more ideas of how it works, but their memory may also connect differently, such as if you say every time the wave goes by it's a brand new wave, It'll contradict with the idea that they've already got layers and layers from each wave that are building up now. So it feels like the wave is not brand new, but perhaps maybe layering onto the last. And so it's the idea that you want to be aware of how the person's mind can change and be aware. And it sort of brings us into this idea of caution. I know we've mentioned multiple times you want to be careful of temporary versus permanency. You want to be aware of in and out of scene. But it's also good to understand that while there have been studies showing memory and how hypnosis can impact a person, like Puppet mentioned earlier, you can't be made to remember something you have truly forgotten. So if someone has forgotten something 10-15 years later, you may end up building a memory similar to mentioning what color was the person's hat. They may end up taking it as a leading question and their own mind will try to build out memories based upon what it believes was actually there. So, while you may have these pieces and while people have seen in many TV shows hypnosis being used to find evidence to look into other pieces to remember, there is no full clinical evidence that has shown causation that you can make someone remember a full memory as it was, but rather their mind's truth of how that situation played out. While it may be able to activate some deactivated pathways it does not mean that those pathways are perfectly connected. And so you want to make sure that you are careful when working with this to try and make someone remember something or work with it, especially if you do not have training or certification towards understanding what this may do. I would say any type of memory returning would probably be best focused upon scenes or sessions that you've already had with them and kept within that area since that would keep it within a recreational play versus making them remember something that you may not have been a part of which may cause reactions and responses that you may not be ready for. And so it's good to understand that when you are exploring with this, a person's beliefs and their understanding can take over their intent. And when I say that, I mean if someone is intending to perhaps feel like pleasure is important to them and you begin to build up memories for them that pleasure is very important, that it's something that's always been important their belief can eventually take over and make them believe that that pleasure has an even larger purpose or importance in their life than they may have had before or to a point where they may have intended to reach so making sure to communicate with them and understand that memory while very powerful and very capable is something that you need to be careful with because while it is very sexy to dive in and do lots of fun stuff It's also good to know that if you build it out carefully and very well, it will be far more powerful, personal, and intimate to explore with a person than if you had simply tried to build it all out at once. When working with memory playing, this goes a little bit deeper into being cautious with it, is to understand that it can have more long-term effects, such as... If we begin to try and outline how a person experiences something, such as if you try to add in a memory that is not complete or does not follow their full line of reasoning, it can actually reduce their ability for choices and for autonomy. So, for example, if you had someone... well. For example if you were to give someone the memory that there was a toy that they were nervous about playing and you tried to add memories for them that they had played with that toy in the past but not with full details you can end up having an issue where when the person goes to play with the toy they don't know how to and this issue can cause and this is just playing with a toy but if you give them the idea of when they're in a public situation of feeling confident and feeling capable of interacting with people, but their mind relies on the how and the why of it happening, and you don't supply it to their mind where they can actually benefit by referring to it, their mind may come back and become more uncomfortable because they don't remember how or why, but they were confident, and it creates this disconnect in their mind. It creates something of a negative impact where their mind may feel less capable because now they have memories that they're not sure how they should align, and they were depending on them, which means that they may feel even less in control of their own capabilities. So understanding how that connection is and what their mind may depend upon may be key because it can cause greater negative outcomes if they depend on something or they're acting on something that's been put in without it fully aligning with how their mind works.
1: And I think the last thing I want to say is that I would personally advise only using memory play in fun and kinky ways. Don't do it to try and help people because people need memories of the bad stuff that happened to them in order to get through it and be able to rationalize what happened in a way that they can understand that it doesn't need to affect them anymore. And just cautioning that however much it might seem like using memory play to help people could be a thing. It's not because Of what I just said, and therapy is how one goes about reconciling the things that have happened to us in our lives. And there are very good methods that a therapist will use to help that in a way that doing things to memories with hypnosis, in the ways we've talked about can just make things worse.
0: Right. I think probably the simplest way to explain this is people who haven't had therapy certification or training, just to give sort of a very direct understanding with it is If you explore with hypnosis and try to use hypnosis to help someone, they're expecting you to be the person processing, working within their mind, and guiding them. While the person who's being hypnotized has a lot of control and say, and as many people see hypnosis as self-hypnosis, it's them putting themselves into a state, the hypnotist acts as a guide, as a director, as a puppeteer, depending on how they see it. But in most situations, a hypnotist, when you are doing hypnosis, is in some way taking a handle over the direction it goes and how it works. Therapy has the person process their own emotions, connect with it, and it is a form of guidance, but in a way therapy is meant to be more of a hands-off guidance than hypnosis in many ways. When I say hands-off, I mean the therapist is more guiding them, giving them things that they can build out and connect themselves and do themselves and make choices themselves for. And so doing hypnotherapy, while there are lines across it, the biggest thing to understand especially is doing hypnosis to help someone means that you're the one processing the information, which for them can cause a greater disconnect and a greater issue because they're issues that they would need to deal with. In therapy, the person processes and handles a lot of the information with help and guidance, but not, while well, there's a sense of control. So I can say... Just for understanding for people who may be out there trying to help someone, therapy requires a lot more understanding of how to give the person that control and that ability to work with it and process it on their own. So trying to take hypnosis to fix or handle things can be a greater detriment. And so when it comes to memory play like this, that's why we've repeatedly stated it's better to do temporary to start in what you've worked with because it's what you can be a part of And help them process because you've processed it with them. So you share a lot of those experiences. And understanding their mentality lets you connect to build out. But it doesn't mean that you should step into areas that are solely theirs. But rather areas that they may be comfortable exploring with that are more recent. That may connect such as building out recent memories for conditioning. Or exploring and making things that are altered within scenes or out of scenes when you are involved. I think one big thing that I've put in for people when I explore that I may alter memories is I make it so any altered effects or awareness or activity only occurs when I'm present. That way, in case there is any issue with it, I'm there to help deal with it so that if they have a trigger that doesn't make sense, I can just remove it. So it's always good to know hypnosis is wonderful to explore. It's very sexy. It's very fun. It's always good to also know that since you'd be the main person building and guiding with them and that you'd be depending on them, they depend. And as someone who's being hypnotized, you may depend very much if you let them build things. You'll depend on what their memories and their ideas do. So the more connection and understanding there is that builds out for both of you, the more effective it'll be, the more fun it'll be, and the more unexpected surprises of joy and pleasure that may come.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for today's topic.
0: If you've enjoyed this, you can support us at patreon.com slash braincage. You can also join us over on Discord at Fetlandia and talk with us directly. Links for both are listed in the description. Thanks again for listening and take care.